this with me. Hold up your Bible, and we're going to say this. I've got a little quote here. Hallelujah. You just hold on to your Bible here. Say, I believe absolutely everything that my Bible says. No matter what the devil says, no matter what people say, and no matter what circumstances say, today I am a believer, and because I'm a believer, I am a receiver. And I believe that I receive absolutely everything that God has for me for this hour in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Let's just go to the Word tonight. I, I got some stuff that's smoking. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, if you would. Ephesians chapter 2. We're ministering on, coming off of Sunday. Um, I told you Sunday that we were going to start ministering on right place, right time on the midweek service. And so I want to talk to you tonight about the keys to being at the right place at the right time. Now, this is my conviction. What, you know, you may argue with it, and you, we could both say it's true, but I believe everything great that's ever happened that's recorded in the Word, that's recorded by the martyrs or other great people, and in your own life happened because, because you were at the right place at the right time. I believe God had, has had and does have many things for us, but we are out of place. We're out of position. So it's my endeavor, and this is what I'm working on, do what you will, to be at the right place at the right time. Because I've got to be somewhere all the time. So I, it just takes a little more to be at the right place, to get the timing right. And it's an adjustment. Say adjustment. adjustment. It's just an adjustment. It's not like you've got to walk on hot coals or swim, you know, give up uh, uh, caffeine or something like that. It's just an adjustment, a, 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 uh, uh, a sensing of what we're supposed to do. And there's some real easy keys in the Word that I found and some examples that show people that were at the wrong place and it wrecked their life. You know, people that were involved in tremendous accidents or had some sort of tragedy in their life, out of all the minutes of their life, that represented a very, very small proportion, yet it's what's dominating the rest of their life, where they lost, got a disease or lost a limb or something like that or or you, just a number of things. Well, we've got to make sure that, that, that we, like brain surgery, you know, they say about brain surgery, you just, having an 80% success rate is unacceptable. <laughs> we've got to find somebody that gets it right every time, don't we? And it's the same thing with this. We can't have one bad accident. We can't miss uh, raising our kids right. We, can't, we just cannot afford to have a failure. Never. So to do that, we've got to turn our sails into the wind and say, Lord, fill them with your plan for my life. Because I didn't birth me into this world. I didn't, didn't, you know, sign up for this generation or this place or what race or gender that I am. I, didn't, I had nothing to do with any of that. I'm just here by the, by the foreordaining of God. Are y'all? You know, we just showed up and it's like, here we are. And uh, if I had it to do over with, you know, if I had a say, I'd have been, I'd added five inches to my height. Hallelujah. <laughs> Same weight, just five more inches. Hallelujah. But, you know, it is what it is. I told Debbie the other night, I said, you know, rich people, poor rich people have all that money, don't have to work, and yet they have to watch their diet just like everybody else. They have to, you know, they can't, they can't look at things, hear things, eat things that... 
Everybody's the same. You know money is certainly not the answer to everything, is it? Wouldn't it be even frustrating to have all that money and be able to do everything and still get tired at the end of every day? Want to go to bed at 9 o'clock because you're just busted, you know, you're just out. And you go, but I got all this money. I could be going around the world. But you, you run out of energy. You, run, you, you know, you're sh your, your blood sugar's higher. You got a headache. Just money's certainly not it. In Ephesians, oh, well, I want to talk, in Ephesians, it, I want to talk about that um, uh, being at the right place at the right time is something that God's interested in. But it goes back to Jesus being Lord. It's really, if you just sum it all up, how can I be there? Well, it's, it's a process of making Jesus Lord. Now, I know he's Savior, thank God. And boy, we're so excited to get to go to heaven. But Jesus Lord, being Lord, is the key to being at the right place at the right time. Don't you all love Kenneth Copeland's banner? You know he's got Kenneth Copeland Ministries, that big medallion, and he's got Jesus is Lord. And you know, we've been looking at that, if nothing else, on... For decades, we've been looking at his thing there. Well, the first thing is I believe the key to being at the right place at the right time is that you have to believe this. Now, listen, this may throw you. You have to believe that you already are at two places at once all the time. Say, I am in two places at once right now. Now, you say, how can that be? Turn to you're at Ephesians chapter 2. There's the spiritual side. We're a spiritual being, but we're also a soulish being and, of course, a physical being. In Ephesians 2, it says, let's start in verse 5. It says, even when we were dead in sins, hath, well, verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, us together with Christ, by grace are you saved. And here it is, verse 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So I'm in two places at once. I'm here on this earth, right here in, in uh, Tuscaloosa County, Alabama. But the Bible says that I am, I am, you are seated with him in heavenly places. Now, if you didn't know that, you wouldn't necessarily be at the right place at the right time. Because you would look at your circumstance, you would look at your situation and say, I'm undone. I'll need to have some money. I'll need to have a job. I'll need to have this, that, and the other. But he said, I've already given it to you. You're already there, but you've got to live on that side. I said, you've got to live on the reigning in Christ side, don't you? Even though you're, you know, no money and you don't feel good and, you know, uh, Bobo ran off or whatever, you know, it's having a hard day. It doesn't matter. I'm seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 1 John 4, 17, listen to this. It says, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because as he is, so are we in where? This world. So even though here, you know, having a bad day, trouble against me, judgment all over, yet the Bible says, as he is, so am I in this world. I'm in two places at once. So to be at the right place at the right time, I'm going to have to decide which side I'm going to live on. Oh, woe is me, having a hard day. It's never going to work out. The devil's, on, the devil's got me on the run. Or as he is, so am I in this world. You've got to go there. 
Otherwise, you're just subject to some man saying, you're working tomorrow. Well, I already had plans tomorrow. I, I need to be off. I'm going to church tomorrow. No, you'll be here or you're going to be gone. So you've you got to be at the right place at the right time. We've got to take our authority. We've got to know who we are as believers. It also says in uh, um, Psalm 23. Let's turn to Psalm 23. I believe that our Father... Now listen. That Father negotiates for you to be at the best possible place at the exact right time, the best He can based on what we give Him. In other words, every time you go, here I am, is this the best you can do? I believe that God is so honorable that he said, that's the best I could do with the faith, with the word that you gave me. I, you were saying it's all over, I'm broke, I'm sick, it's, uh, it's a wreck. He said, it's kind of hard to find much to work with in that to get you positioned. But I did the best I could with what you gave me. So if that's the only key, if God's taking everything we give him and absolutely working it from every angle to get me at the best place, then I could give him more to work with and he could do better with me. <laughs> it says in Psalm uh, 23, 4, he said, now look, this we're talking about being in two places at once. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So that would be the curse of this world, wouldn't it? It would be, he said, I will fear no evil. Why? Because here's the other place, for thou art with me. Now, you know God's not going to be in the, he's not abiding or living or dwelling in the valley of the shadow of death. But wherever I go, he's going. So I'm in two places. Outwardly in the physical realm, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. Have you ever been there? The, the world, you're, you're, you're in the world, but not of the world, it says. So I'm there, but I have to look at the other side, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, is that what it says? Thou preparest, uh, no, thy rod and thy staff, they come from me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. So are you in the presence of your enemies or are you thou art with me? It's your choice. Faith puts you in the best possible place that you can be. We've got to get in faith. So that means we've got to, be, we've got to believe the promises. Second um, Corinthians chapter 12. Got lots of scriptures tonight. Just want to go over some things to, to tweak you up and get you to minister, meditating on these things. Second Corinthians chapter 12. You know, Paul, the Bible says, uh, had a out-of-body experience. Second Corinthians 12. Where are you? Um, verse 2, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not, which it is not unlawful for a man to, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. So Paul's in two places at once. Do you think that you think that he left the earth, 
or that he was caught up. He didn't even know. Did, did I physically leave and there was a spot where I was and I'm not anymore and I'm gone? Or was I still there? Have you ever heard the testimony of men that were translated, that were ministering in a service, and then all of a sudden they, they found themselves preaching in Africa or India or somewhere? Have you heard those stories? People were literally translated, but yet they were still in the room that they started from and came back to that place, two places at once. Hallelujah. You go, that's weird. No, that's Christianity. That's what's happened to you at the new birth. We have so majored on, well, I'm going to heaven and I'm going to miss hell and closed the book and went to the house. And it is just such a small, small part. You know, it's like having children. Oh, isn't he cute? Well, I'm so glad he's going to take care of me when I get old. You know, there's a lot more in between cute and taking care of me when I get old in between. And there's just a lot to Christianity that we've missed. So Paul was in two places at one time, and he said it was divine. And then uh, Psalm 91, you know that one. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. But then, you know, he says, okay, I'm going to abide in the secret place of the Most High. I'm under the shadow of of the wing of the Almighty. So there's a spiritual place. There's a faith place. But then the rest of the chapter, what does it talk about? Physical things. There all that flieth by day and 10,000 at my right hand. So he's saying, if I go to a place in the Spirit, and that's what that is, the presence of the Lord, get in the presence of the Lord, that's what the abiding under the shadow of the wing of the Almighty, he said, then it will affect the physical realm. But you're both places, you're, two, you're a three-part being, and you can be in two places at once, the spiritual place, but yet you'll see that the angels will lift you up lest you even dash your foot against a stone. Right place, right time. Well, I hadn't got time to get in the presence of the Lord. Well, we could all make a case for that, could we? Or not now. I might could get there this evening. Wrong time. What about the whole day that's left open, that you're vulnerable all that day? So he says, if you'll, if you'll be in the right place at the right time spiritually, then physically, you don't even have to think about it. Now, I have maybe an unjustified um, assurance about Alabama drivers that they can't get me when I'm in my car. Now, sometimes Debbie does not have that confidence when I'm driving. <laughs> I'll admit, <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> Because drivers, you know, they, they pull out or pull up, and you don't know if they saw you, and they, you know what they do. Maybe you're one of them, hallelujah. But if you go there in Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2, if you go there, then you can have a confidence about the other 15, 14 verses. No weapon formed against me, Isaiah said, shall prosper. So we've got to be in two places at, at one time. Instead of just saying, well, you just never know what's going to happen. You know, that's the wrong, you're out of position. If you don't know what's going to happen, you're out of position. If someone can take advantage of you, if someone can do something financially uh, to you or something to, then you're out of position. You've got to get in the secret place. You've got to get where you want to be or could be caught up to the third heaven. Because God's got stuff to tell you. Back then, he caught Paul up. But it might be a different way. We're going to talk about in this thing, if we get to it, about dreams, about prophecies. 
about visions, how God wants you to so be at the right place at the right time that if you'll open your heart, he will start showing you what that place is and when that place is. Usually it's the where, and then he arranges the when. You can't always program the when, but you can program the where. Praise God. So, um, Father is a faith God, and he sees us in Christ Jesus at the right place at the right time. Now, you know this, and it just bears saying that sometimes people say, God, I'm a Christian. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. When are you going to send some help down here? I, I've got pain in my body. When are you going to heal me? We got bills, Lord. We got real bill, bills, and they're, they're threatening. When are you going to do something? Well, you have to go over there and be seated with him in heavenly places. He sees you already healed. He sees that there's nothing left to be done, that the last page has been turned, and that it's already happened. And so for us to not acknowledge that, we're not on the same page as him, and so we'll, we'll do foolish things. We'll be at the wrong place because we don't understand. I'm already, by his stripes, I'm already healed. I'm, well, when did it happen? 2,000 years ago. But you've got to go there. You've got to go into that realm, in the faith realm, in order to have it in the natural realm. And people argue with you, well, I did. You know, the word is true. Let God be true and every man working it out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Number two, I think, uh, keys to being at the right place at the right time is that you have to believe. Now, I believe this. You have to believe that you've always been on a divine assignment. Say assignment. you got to believe that your life has already been mapped out in the Lord. Not every part, but that Lord, the Lord, you know, because you certainly have a lot of latitude in that. I've heard men say, uh, you know, Lord, which one do you want me to do? And he said, doesn't matter to me. I've heard him say to men that I trust that says, you can have it either way, but if you go this way, the fun way, what the way you're really wanting to do, like buy a car, this car or something, you can do it, but it'll cause you trouble. Even the Bible itself says that if you get married, you'll have trouble in the flesh. He didn't say didn't, don't do it. He just said you need to know that if you get married, there's going to be a stress on your soul. I think everybody that's ever been married would say, it's, it's, uh, it's certainly a blessing. It's certainly, I'd do it again tomorrow, but it certainly is a stress on the soul. And serving in your ministry, you'd have to say, we could get more done if we didn't have the family. You know, not, not trying to make a case for it, just saying that a single man, a single woman could, could pursue that unhindered. Well, it's the same thing in our own lives. Let's look at a scripture. Let's look in Acts chapter 13. I have to believe that I've always been on a divine assignment. Acts chapter 13. Look at this. Y'all want to be at the right place at the right time? I'm telling you. It, it, it is the edge. It is the edge that will cause your life to soar. It's the edge. You know, re, you know, all the other things that we do and should do, go to church and pray, and re, but being at the right place at the right time is expeditious. It's efficient. Yeah. 
how many times have I had to redo what I didn't do right or how I didn't check into the Lord and just said, close enough, good enough, and then it wasn't. I didn't count the consequences. I didn't see that this thing is important. This thing has weight, and I just like, whatever, you know. And it did. And I'm really working on me to ask him about everything. Used to, it was just the monumental stuff. Do you care, Lord? Do you care? Because I have worked it out where I didn't care if he cared. I wanted what I wanted. And, you know, you can, you can make a case for just about anything religiously. I, the, the most famous that I know is, is that the Lord gives you the desires of your heart. You, that is just about a counter, that's just about a counterfeit check uh, or whatever. You can just about buy anything in the kingdom on that thing, and it's fraud. And it will bite you. It'll bite you coming, and it'll bite you going back. We always said it'll run over, it's like a back truck. It'll run over you and then back up. Hallelujah. Acts 13, 36 says this, talking about David, King David. For David... After he had served his own generation, let's read it together, by the will of God. Served his own generation, his own generation by the will of God. Now, there's a lot of import there. This is in the book of Acts. So this has weight for us. It says that he served, he served. He was the king, but he served, he served his own generation. Well, there's a pattern right there. You and I are to serve our generation. What am I supposed to do in this world? Just have fun? Have all that you can while you're serving your own generation. And then it said, by the will of God. You know, necessarily, uh, there's lots of people, and don't mistake me for someone that criticizes it, but they serve by, by promoting the Cancer Society and the MS Society and the, and the CP Society and the and the Abused Women's Society, and those are all, have helped a lot of people. But, you know, it's a, it's a lower kind of help. At best, those kinds of things are after the fact. They don't acknowledge that you can stop the pain, you can stop the bleeding. They're just saying, here, let me, let me comfort you while you're suffering. We're called to cut the suffering off, and to go in there and present a new life in Christ Jesus. And so, you know, myself personally, like I said, I'm not criticizing that. I would rather go and help somebody get a new life. The old adage about you can teach someone uh, to, you can feed someone today, or you can teach them to fish and feed them all their life. Well, that's kind of how I think it is. And even people that, you know, just want help, you got to help them. they got to eat today or they won't be here to teach tomorrow. But just for handing out food and handing out muddy and just saying, y'all just, you know, we're going to do our Christian service, I don't believe that it is. I believe any carnal uh, person could do it that doesn't even know God. I believe the Buddhists and the Hindus and the, the Muslims could all do that and say, we've served our God. I believe we've got a gospel. And so we have to serve our generation. Well, going back to, I am assi- I'm on a divine assignment. David was on a divine assignment. And he checked his life. He, he didn't kill Saul. Remember, he, he could have and wanted to. You know he had to want to. 
This man had given him grief in every way. And he said, I'll honor the Lord and I'll touch not God's anointed. And those things that you draw back from will pay off and you'll serve your generation by the will of God. Galatians chapter 1. Got a little Bible drill going on tonight. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 1. I'm talking about embracing the truth that all of us have always had an assignment on our life. You young people have an assignment on your life. You may have. I've, I've certainly known young people that knew their assignment when they were in their, their teens much better than men in their 40s and 50s. I went to a Larry Lee conference in 1982 or three, and uh, it was a tremendous thing in, in Rockwall, Texas, huge thing, just big. And they said at the end of the week that a deacon had been in the Baptist church 40 years, got born again during the conference. And you go, how can that be? And you, you know, you're just thanking God he did. But you can never tell what's, what's going on in people's lives because of this religious system. It says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, it's talking about Paul. It says, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, why? That I might preach him among the heathen immediately. I conferred not with flesh and blood. And then he said, I didn't, I didn't even go to the apostles. But the point here is, is that he was separated at birth to the calling of God. Well, you go, you know, God wouldn't call you until you knew it. Not at all. He calls you. You have to discover it. Kenneth Copeland said many years ago, he said, if you're called to be a prophet and you don't even get born again, you will be judged as a prophet of not fulfilling your call as a prophet. Whew, we better get on and go then. We better, we, we better get this pony in gear because we've got things to do and the time is short. We, we don't even have a chance. Did you notice? Now, I don't know uh, this crowd here tonight. Did you ever notice, some of y'all, that when you hit 40 and 50, what you thought in your 20s were like, I am going to be an inexhaustible uh, uh, wellspring and fountain of energy and, and interest and passion, that there is a natural inclination to rock. <laughs> Just, whoo, that feels good. You know, click, click, click. You know, let's rock it, honey. Let's get, you know, let's don't go out so winning tonight. Did this, you know, we. You go, I never knew that would come because when you're in your 20s and 30s, it's, yeah, buddy, we got, we slept six hours last night. We are, we are buzzed. It's just not that way. Now, that could be not your experience, but I've, hallelujah. Well, here Paul said, I was separated at birth, and God called me. Now, he didn't call everybody to preach the way he did Paul did, but the, it's certainly true here. Everybody's called. Say, I'm called by the grace of God. I'm equipped. Now, you got to know that. And if you don't know that, you won't be at the right place at the right time. You'll be in a bar. You'll, you'll not go to Bible school. You'll not go to church. You'll not go to prayer because it's like, I, I don't know my calling. It could be anything. It could be nothing. He, he, maybe he needs just little people to just sit around and listen to preachers, and I'll just be one of those. And it's just not so. 
We are called, and we're not happy until we, re, until we embrace our calling. Let's see if this Second um, Peter chapter 1. Whoo! We could talk about this one for a while. You understand we are just cruising past these things. Second Peter chapter 1. Looking, looks, looking, uh, verse 10. He said, Wherefore, the rather brethren... Now, here it is. Look, give diligence. So that's more than just a casual observance. That's more than, than just looking in. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Now, look. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You won't be at the right place at the right time until you know, at least on the, on the headline part of your life, what is my calling. There's a lot of ways you can know. A lot of it is uh, based on desire. Singers ought to sing. Caregivers ought to give care. Soul winners ought to go out and share the gospel. It's a place to start. You need to engage it where your natural personality flows. It's always right to wade out into love, wherever love pulls you. Many times when we're ministering in, the, in services, you go, how do you know to go there? A lot of times you just wade out into love. You just go where love is, where God just puts love. He just, there's a pool of it right there. And you just, you just, you know, you leave the old mean, grouchy, I don't want to be here people alone unless there's a word from the Lord of straighten it up or it's going it's, it's to be bad. You wade into love. And that's the way you and I are like, I love babies. Well, we're going to send you to a place where babies need to be loved. Amen. Some people, they don't get it, they, but they're called to give. Now, that's hard because, and they don't like the preacher saying it. But I'm telling you, this year, y'all are going to hear it from me. I am absolved from all scrutiny of impropriety and having a bad motive. I'm going to preach the gospel, and if they say, that's self-serving, just, you know, do what you want with it. I'm going to preach it. You know, a lot of times they say, They'll call, uh, people call you up and say, you know, I need to come to your church because I can say things that you can't say to your people. But you know, the other side of that is, and I don't mean to be on this, but it's like only if they don't trust me. And if I just start out, you know, I've just been here six months or a year, you know, we, we don't know what this guy's real. We need to road test him and see. But after 15, by the way, 15, February 7th, we'll be here 15 years. Well, it's time to say, you know, if it's not, if, if they don't like you, they need to hit, some, hit the road. And if they do, we need to just buck up and hear the word and move on. So we're going to be a little more candid this year. <laughs> Hallelujah. After February 7th, anyway. Praise God. Um, so to be at the right place at the right time, you got to know, I have an assignment on my life. I am called. I better find out what I'm called to because the anointing will come on me to do that, and it'll come on me to prosper in that. It'll come on my life to be efficient. I will be able to be at the right place at the right time in all my life. You go, but I've got a business, or I've got a job, or I've got three kids. The point exactly, if you're at the right place at the right time, you're not redoing. You're not backing up and, 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 and apologizing. 
It gets done right, and you get all of it done, all of it done, because you're at the right place at the right time. Making your calling and election sure, embracing faith to be where you're supposed to be, it's awesome, y'all. Praise God. Well, another thing that you have to believe that you've always been in your divine assignment is you got to have an attitude of destiny. Say it with me. Attitude of destiny. I am important. you got to have that on you. And if you don't, the Bible says in one place, and all of our young people need to know this, Paul told Timothy, let no man despise your youth. And I tell you all all the time, I know some wise young people. Remember Chad Glover that we had in our church about 10 years ago? Oh, he, he's, he's got a company, and he's, you know, he's, just, he's just doing great, but he was young. And then I have known some old fools that had been in church for 50 years and, you know, could not pray, didn't know the books of the Bible, didn't, couldn't do anything. Old fools is what I call them. Age is not. It's not the mark of anything. So you got to have a sense of destiny. First uh, 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 Corinthians chapter 7. Praise God. First Corinthians chapter 7. Now see, um, I am marking everyone. I'm marking Mar Rob Lee. I'm marking Jesse. I'm, I'm, I'm marking Jacob. I am marking all of them. I'm, Micah, I'm marking them. Paying no attention to me tonight, if you were, you, you are, but I'm just saying a lot of young people, it's like, whatever. A lot of husbands that come with their wives, it's like, I'm here on the outside, but I'm sure not here on the inside. But there's always a day that comes. There's a day that comes that that stuff shows up. What was said, what was ministered, the, 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 the import of it may ignore it, may rebel against it, may say, I don't need that mess. I don't let old preacher, that old, that old church, whatever, they don't know nothing. We've all been through that stage. Sometimes we think that this generation invented cuss words. Debbie's father told me that there ain't no new cuss words invented. He knew all of them that, that's been going on today. They just, you know, we just didn't say them back then, but he, we knew them all. Hallelujah. Well, sometimes people think, ah, oh, this is a new generation, and we got a, a new bad, or we got a new way of doing it. No, we were all young one time, and we all ran up and down the road and rebelled and kicked back and, and, uh, and hoped we didn't get caught, smoked it or drank it or whatever, and just hoped and whatever. <laughs> None of us are admitting it. I understand that, but the point is, is these services, even though it may seem like nothing's going on, when you have a strong gospel, it marks people. And there will be a day where that mark will come forth and you go, I'm sure glad. It's the proverbial third grade teacher that everybody hates. Or a lot of them, maybe it's fifth grade teacher. And you just hate them, but then after you graduate, you go, you know, that, you know, that was the best and taught me and thank God and, you know, whatever. I am a good, good reader. I am an excellent reader because uh, uh, my uh, first grade teacher and my second grade teacher uh, did, uh, uh, is it phonics? Not phon yeah, phonics, did, instead of sight reading. Now they just teach you how to read a word, but back then we had to break the word down. Well, it just changed my life. It just made a way for me much more than if I just didn't know that, and, and many of you are that way, and you, that's what's happening right now. We are changing our county, even though there's no outward evidence. It is happening. 
And you know what Dr. Cole says, we minister for results, not reaction. I love that. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, look in verse 20, it says, Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Are thou called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, also that he, he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price, be ye not the servants of men. Say, I'm bought with a price. I'm with Say, I'm not my own. Not. We're not. And that is, a, that is a great thing in an American, democratic, free will society to know that even though my government says they can't do this and they can't do that, we, they've got it now where you can't even spank your kids. And if you do spank them, you've got to go indoors because somebody will turn you in, somebody will whatever. But it doesn't matter. It's right. And we are, we are bought with a price. We live under a higher law than the laws of this nation. And they are good for us. So uh, we, have, we are people of destiny. Bless God, I'm going somewhere, and when I get there, I'm going to do something, and I'm going to get something done on the way. you got to live that. People that have midlife crises, it's because they don't have a sense of, I am somebody in God, and he's going to use me to change his kingdom. And it's going to fulfill and satisfy me along the way. The reason people are on drugs, the reason people are doing all they've always done, alcohol, and when they just had tobacco, is because there's an empty spot inside and they don't know how to fill it. And Jesus is the only way to fill it. And you just, sometimes you get old before you know that. And your, your, your body and your head are all racked out from experimentation. It's better just to get it in church and just say, guess I'm going to skip the drugs and just believe the preacher. Hallelujah. Okay. Well, uh, the third thing that I have, and I'm just going through this in the Lord. Uh, I'm not getting this out of a book or off of a tape. I don't know anybody that's teaching this be at the right place, right time stuff. But the, it's sure been a blessing to me. But one thing you got to do is you got to be easily persuaded to believe. Let's say it together. I'm easily persuaded to believe. Let me show you some scriptures about that, how it didn't work out. In Matthew chapter 4. You know the truth is, family, and here's the truth. You just see if it's not the truth. The truth is, it's not if you're going to be called in your life to believe the improbable. It's not a matter, I wonder if I'm going to be called sometime to believe something that's seemingly impossible. It's a matter of when. It's, it's just not, you're not exempt from, from having a mountain in front of you that just says, you can't get around me. You're not going anywhere as long as I'm here. You are, you are not exempt physically or financially or family-wise or, or whatever. Everyone faces that mountain. And you've got to deal with it. You've got to shrink back and say, whatever you say, Mr. Mountain, whatever you say, circumstances, whatever you say, person, whatever you say, finances, whatever you say, lack of education, whatever you say, I'm a, uh, my gender's wrong, my race is wrong, my education's wrong, my looks are wrong. All the things that people use to, to, to cower down and, and back up. Or you just say, bless God, my time's come to believe the impossible. I'm glad I prepared for it. I'm glad I soaked up the word and got ready for this day. It says in, uh, 
Uh, Matthew chapter 4, are you there? Whoo, praise God. Verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. So they were professional men, weren't they? And he saith unto them, what were they doing? They were casting a net into the sea. It wasn't like, come to my prosperity conference, or come to my health and healing conference, or come to my business explosion conference. They were, they were at work, and he said, uh, excuse me, he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Look in verse 20. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Now, that's easily persuaded to believe. We don't know if there was some other things going on that it took all afternoon or there was some negotiation or whatever, but it says straightway. And so there's an indication that they were easily persuaded to believe. And it goes on there and says, And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father. So here you got dad. The, you know, it's, it's Zebedee and sons, that sort of thing. You know, you just don't want to leave... Zebedee and Sons Company. It's not like you're out there with your little sister trying to make something work. It's mending their nets, and he called them, and they, why did they say that? And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. I'm amazed by that. It's a new standard of saying, God, what's reasonable, or what's what do you expect, or what is a pattern that you would look at and say, that is amazing? I, I hadn't done it yet. Getting to Alabama is the closest that I've ever done that, and people are still amazed at how we, what we did and how we did it to get here. And I'll tell you for sure, we were in a faith bubble when we did it. And then Myron Leanne loaded up, you know, and... Now, all those things. Look in uh, uh, Matthew, you're right there, Matthew 8, 8. We're talking about being at the right place at the right time. You've got to be easily persuaded to believe. If you wrestle with it, if you have to engage it and think about it, I'm telling you, you're already whooped. We're not talking about being stupid. We've talked about this before. We're not talking about being naive or gullible where you swallow everything that comes by and you're just jumping up every other day and trying to find something to follow, the Pied Piper. We're talking about you are a person of destiny and when the opportunity comes, you see it and you seize it. It's not like, oh, this is a new thought. I've never thought of that. Jesus, you what? leave here and go there. What would that be all like? Something like Mary that had Jesus, something had already been working on the inside so that when they pulled the trigger, it, the gun was already loaded, it was already aimed. It says in 8.8, 8, uh, the centurion, well, I guess we'll have to go up in 6, saying, Lord, my servant, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented, and Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Y'all, by any standard, that's easily persuaded to believe. Taking the high road. Not even letting yourself, <laughs> amazing, going above what Jesus 
said would happen. Saying, Lord, that's not really good enough for this. I want more than what you said could happen. You just speak the word. You know, if the Lord had said it, he said, I got two choices here, which one? But it wasn't even on the table. He said, you just speak the word. That challenges my faith. How about you? It makes me look at some situations where I wrestled it and carried on with it and thought about it and worked it out and, and go, you are a wimp. <laughs> and it cost me. I wasn't at the right place at the right time. I was behind schedule. I do believe, though, when we're starting out, that the Lord always gives you time. He wants you on board. He, whatever it takes, if he says, it's going to take that guy six months to get this together. I'll just back up six months from when it has to happen and let him work it out. But we're in a day or now that six months isn't on the table. And we have to jump. We've got to have a faith that's anticipating. An anticipating faith. Getting up and saying, something good's going to happen to me today. Are you the one? Is this the place? Is this how it's happening? Is this where my money goes? Is this where my seed goes? Is this, are you the one that I'm supposed to prophesy to? Are you the one that has that word of knowledge comes forth? Should I lay hands on you today? Getting up, just saying, I, I am a pitcher to be poured out. I'm looking for the place because I must be empty by the end of the day. And you, that's, a, that's a radical type of faith. But it's what every, listen, every Christian's called. And just because they're not preaching, it doesn't mean we shouldn't live it and be normal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, let's go just a little further. You remember in John chapter 2 where uh, Mary, uh, they said they've run out of wine, and Jesus argued with her and said, it's not my time. And she turned to the servants and said, whatsoever he saith to you, do it. That that is easily persuaded to believe. Of course, she was like, you know how fun it would be to give offerings on somebody else's bank account? You know how fun that would be? Wouldn't that be a blast to, to go on a sewing spree with somebody else's account? Well, she was kind of doing that with Jesus. Whatever he says, do it. <laughs> and then she left the room. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. Acts chapter 4. Easily persuaded to believe. Come on, y'all. Let's change. Let's adjust. The word repent means to change your mind. Let's repent of low-level living. Let's, re let's repent of being afraid. Let's not be subject to the curse of this world. Let's be Smith Wigglesworth here. You go, oh, that was a great man. He had nothing except an attitude. He didn't have an education. His wife, Polly, taught him to read, could not read. John G. Lake was a physician, very learned man, but he didn't, he didn't work his doings in America at first. He loaded up, had no money, and took his family to Africa. Just bold. You must do something bold with your life. You better get to looking. You don't want the curtain to fall, and you hadn't done something bold with your life that you just said, well, I live normal. I was just like all the first church people. we got to cast some devils out this year. Y'all know where any are? 
<laughs> have you met? Listen, I got some folks that are with names. I can tell you where they are if you want to know. <laughs> you know who they are. We got, we got to drive some leukemia out this year. We are the John G. Lakes. We are the Smith Wigglesworth. We are so unassuming here in this church and in this place, even in Coker, Alabama. I mean, it's just you couldn't get a more humble place than this. We have nothing to crow about. <laughs> we have nothing to shout about, naturally speaking. We have nothing that you can say, look at us and hear. Nothing. It's all going to be him. There's no glory here. In our, we have humble beginnings, but we got an attitude. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Where did I send y'all to? Uh, Acts chapter 4. We ought to go there. Oh, this is about Barnabas. I love Barnabas. He's one of my main guys. In verse 33, look. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Neither was there anyone among them that lacked. Why? For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the pieces of the things, the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Now, you remember here the reason is, is because Pentecost had broke out. And there was 3,000 saved and 5,000 saved, and they were all there for the Passover. And instead of just tripping into town doing Passover and going home, they got filled with the Holy Ghost, and they stayed. And they didn't bring vittles for staying. And so the ones that were there, they started lining up. And look what it says, verse 36. And Joseph, who was by the, who was by the apostles, was named Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. That's easily persuaded to believe. It happened just like that. You know it did. It wasn't a thing like, well, I can do this. I can do this in three months. He either had sold it already or already had a buyer. Did you know being at the right place at the right time doesn't always make sense in the natural realm, but the reason always shows up? It does. Some people are called to go to Rama. You better be there if you're called. But if you're not called to Rama, you better, you better not go. Because it takes two years, and it'll, you know, there, it, it, everything has a downside. Not everybody's supposed to go to the university. If you're supposed to go, there better be a reason on the other end. And you've got to say, God, this is a bunch of money, either mine or my parents or the government. But it's four years of my life that's pretty much shut down except the party scene, and we don't do that. So you've got to know, do I go to the university and get a degree? I need to be at the right place at the right time. The, the old worn path of this is what we always do. We graduate and go do and we go and have kids and we go and that's that is not who we are. It may turn out that way for you. That may be the plan of God, but it isn't rote in the sense of what this is always supposed to be. So he just sold his land and said, there's plenty more where that came from. Hallelujah. Um, this is, I'm going to finish up with this. I want to talk about the high cost of hesitation. If you went back to your life and you looked at the highs and the lows and you could graph out your life, hey, we hit it there, that's great. Boy, that was a tough year. That was a 
that was, you'll find out that almost all of it was because you weren't in faith and you hesitated when the, when the diamond mine was for sale. I, I listened to what they said about Mr. Steinbrenner. Y'all know, know who he is? Owns the Yankees. That uh, a number of years ago, a long time ago, he bought the Yankees for $10 million. And they were going nowhere. I don't, I'm not a baseball guy, so, but I just heard this. said, bought the Yankees for $10 million, and everybody was like, man, you got socked. It's worth $1.3 billion now. Right place, right time, wouldn't it? And that's carnal. That's natural, of course. But we can be there spiritually and financially. Amen. Um, let me just read this to you. Ca Hebrews 10, 35 and 37. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. I'm going to read it again. Cast, therefore, not away your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Now the just shall live by faith, but here's what it says. But if any man draw back, my soul, God said, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Point to yourself and say it with me. Don't draw back. And say it better. Don't draw back. Well, that means you've got to be ready. These things, right place, right time, it's not a thing where you say, show me, Lord, what you want me to believe for. Show me the mountain, and I'll work on it. I'll, I'll build up some faith, and I'll get in faith. It takes years to work on doubt and unbelief. It takes years to work on fears. I'm not talking about you can't cast fear out in a moment, but I'm talking about the residues and the, and the soulish part. We've got to work on this stuff all the time. A man that casts out devils, a man that, that uh, is great in the kingdom, he's been working, renewing his mind for a long time. It says um, in uh, Acts 1.16, Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas. Remember, Judas was at the wrong place. He was not easily persuaded to believe, which was a guide to them that took Jesus. Listen, he had, I, read, I read all the scriptures that had Judas in it. He had many opportunities to, to, to repent and go forward, but he drew back at every one of them until finally he took the 30 pieces of silver. He was a bad man. John 20, you all know about Thomas? <laughs> he was at the right place at the right time. Was he not? One of the twelve, but he drew back. The Bible says that the disciples came in, and they had all been there when Jesus had appeared. And it says in John 20, 25, they said, we, they told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, what did he say? I will not believe. Now, we would never be caught saying that to somebody. I just won't believe that. But you know what? It happens all the time. The Lord brings opportunity, but we don't like the vessel. We don't like who it came by. A lot of times, a woman preacher, come on, y'all. Debbie is just now, now not with y'all, but just now getting where people will let her minister to them. She's, you know, you may not like her, 
but it's not because she's a woman. It's just because you might not like her. You might not like me. You might not like yourself, but it's this gender thing. It's a race thing, too. You know, we got black churches and white churches in Tuscaloosa. And a little bit of bleed over in either way, but it's like, what is this all about? Some of my best friends, they never miss Creflo. Leroy Thomas, Thompson, put him on. We got to get past all that stuff there. But it causes people to draw back, to hesitate and say, well, you know, that white man, that white woman, that black man, or this, whatever, or that church, this or that and the other. I, it's crazy how we draw back and don't receive what God has for us because of the vessel. And I'll tell you, you'll be at the right place at the right time when you don't care, when you just don't care. Used to, people would ask me, said, well, where'd you go to seminary? You know, I've never been to seminary. I, I got my training on an Alice Chalmers tractor. Hallelujah. Day and night, night and day with Brother Copeland. It's not much training, you know, theologically, but woo, I got some stuff in me. And you did too. Praise God. Uh, um, here's the last one. 2 Kings chapter 2. I'll just read this to you. You know, you know this one, but this is really good. Remember the story of the siege of Samaria. I believe it was Samaria, where there was a famine and a, and a, and a, 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 a donkey's head was sold for nothing and, and uh, just terrible things. And it says there that uh, the prophet, the man of God, Elisha came up and he said, you know what, as bad as it is today, about this time tomorrow, flour's going to run, and it's going to be cheap. And a man, uh, the, uh, what did he say here? Uh, the, a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine own eyes, but shall not eat thereof. And then it said there was four leprous men. At the gate, and they said, Why sit ye here till we die? And you know they were at the right place at the right time. That story's played out all the time, and I'm telling you, it ought to be playing out for you. You ought to be not that, that king, that Lord that leaned on, that king leaned on, and just say, I don't think so. I'm not easily persuaded to believe. I got to have evidence. It won't get you anywhere. You'll always be fighting your way out. But just say, Bless God, let's try it. I have a witness inside. That, that lines up with the Word. That, that ministers to what I've been praying about and meditating on. That's what I've been hearing. Let's go with it. Y'all, we got something going on here. It's good. We're believing believers. And I'm telling you, there's just nothing that can stop us when we're easily persuaded to believe. Are you easily persuaded to believe? I'm telling you, you ought to work on it. Anything you find yourself drawing back and hesitating on, anything you go, I don't like that. I don't like the way she says that. I don't like the way he does that. You ought to just say, you got to go. I cannot be offended. I got to get the word. I got to get the plan. I got to get the strategy from God. It's got to come. And so I got to get past, you know, his crazy jokes and the, this, that. And you just got to get past it all four miles out in the country, or whatever it is, we, and y'all have, but I'm just saying, we got to be at the right place at the right time. Do you think in heaven there's going to be a pass given? You know, why did you not get this done? Well, I didn't like the way it was said. I didn't like the who said it. I didn't like where it was being said. You think the Lord's going to say, you're right, it was pitiful. <laughs> He's going to say, get wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's... 
Oh, thank you, Lord. Well, right now, let's just, let's just deal with this word tonight. Because the only reason we preached it, just so that we could deal with it. and Say, Lord, is there anything inside of me that is fighting or resisting being at the right place at the right time? Lord, I, I can certainly, I think we could all say, I've certainly been at the wrong place at the wrong time, and I know it costs you. Lord, right now, I'm asking you, we're all praying, we're all believing right now, we're opening our heart. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. That if we're going to get married, Lord, we'll be, there'll be no mistakes. That every man and woman in our future, Lord, will be the right one, and it'll be the right time. We won't rush it. We won't, we won't mess with it. Lord, it'll be you or it won't be. Lord, our next job or opportunity for employment, Lord, we'll not push it. We'll not violate your assignment. Lord, I thank you that people that have hurt us right now, they are hindering us from going forward because we're just still ticked at them. Lord, right now we just help us, Lord. We give grace to them and release them. In Jesus' name, get out of my life. In Jesus, I release you, I forgive you, I turn you loose to be blessed of God. In Jesus' name, I will be at the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. Lord, we call every seed that we've sown, we call it forward now into a harvest of new seed to sow and new bread to eat. In Jesus' name. Lord, we have more seed in 2012 than we've ever had in a single year. Lord, and ever had some of us in 10 years total. Lord, this year is our year to see and seize and sow seed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lord, I release time, time into these people's lives. They're not wore out from work. They're not on the hunt. They're not trying to catch up. Lord, we've got time to hear and to heed the word of the Lord and be where you've assigned us. It pays off. Thank you, Lord, for grace. Thank you, Lord, we're prioritizing. Stuff we just thought we had to have, Lord, we cut it loose. If you are not in it, if you're not sanctioning it, we cut it loose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. Glory to God. Y'all have just been great tonight. Thank you. Let's receive an offering tonight for our midweek service. Let's, if you've got a seat.